Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... We, of all people, embrace this life with everything. We want to live it to the fullest because it is carrying over into the next life. So I'm not just hoping that the next life is better because this life is so awful. I'm embracing everything I can in this life so I can experience this life and it helps me to long for what's next in eternity. If you ask people what they want most of all, many answers come down to one word, contentment. Today, Pastor Jim will explain that true contentment is only found in a certain relationship. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with his message entitled, Joyful Contentment. The more we have, the more opportunity we have to be busy. And, you know, the old expression was, if Satan can't keep you bad, he'll keep you busy. And so having a lot can actually make it very hard to stay focused on the things of God. He says, everywhere and in all things, I have learned. Once again, he says, I've learned. It didn't come natural to me. I'm learning this. I have learned. Some of your versions add the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So just so no one would think the apostle was upset at the lack of gift. He wasn't like, man, 10 years, what took you so long? Wasn't like, this is all I get. This is my 10 year present. (laughs) No, he says, I'm fine. People might today say, it's all good. I'm content. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you want to be content? Of course you do. We all do. Well, here's, I think, the first step. I think we have to realize that contentment or inner peace is largely independent of outward circumstances. Contentment or inner peace is largely independent of circumstances. I think that's why God allows sometimes his chosen servants, in this case the Apostle Paul, to be falsely accused, falsely put in jail, And he did break the law, but it was a bad law, telling people about Jesus. He goes into jail so he can model for us that it is possible to have contentment on the inside, even when it's a hurricane on the outside. Now, this is not, you know, oh, well, nothing I can do about it. Might as well act like happy Christian. That's not what that is. This is not, well, I'm not going to bother. What's the point of trying to be happy? This is not a lack of ambition. He's still probably trying to get himself out. No, this is exactly the opposite. This is him showing us that no matter what life throws at him, the word of God enables him to find the will of God in any situation. In any situation. He is confident that no matter what tomorrow brings, 
he can find contentment inside inner peace, largely independent of the outward circumstances. Remember we said earlier in Philippians 4 that there's just some things that the world cannot take from us. And this is something he's saying, the world cannot take this from me. I can be content no matter what happens. No one can go inside my heart and inside my soul and take Jesus from me. Can't happen. So I think he has a disciplined concentration. A lot of places in the Bible we could point this out, but keep your finger in Philippians 4. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll pick it up at verse 16. He says, therefore, we, who's we? Christians. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, so much of what goes on in our lives happens at the level of the heart, doesn't it? The, the level of, of who we are. Now, I know it's interesting. If I were writing this, thank God I didn't, I would have said, therefore, we should not lose heart. But he doesn't say that. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. But he's going to talk about a discipline that we need to have so we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, I know you young people are like, I never understood that verse. Just wait. <laughs> Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Now, this is written by a guy who's been shipwrecked, beaten, arrested. Now he's in jail, wanting to get back to that life. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you think he'd be in jail going, I'm finally safe. No, he wants to get back to that life. He says, Our light affliction. What I like about this is not some guy who didn't, never had any problems. This is a guy with a lot of problems, says our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's but for a moment. Whatever the hurricane is going on right now, the Bible doesn't minimize it, but it does tell you that a million years from now, when you're in heaven with Jesus, it's probably not going to be big. Probably not going to be big. You know, I remember that when I was in eighth grade, I asked a girl to the eighth grade dance and she told me she was going with somebody else. Pretty big moment in my life in eighth grade. <laughs> Not now. It was a light affliction, right? Which is but for a moment is working for us. Interesting. Not just working in us, it's working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we, Christians, do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I was talking with someone recently who told me he was an atheist. I come from the camp of could care less about God. That's where I was before I became a Christian. And so he said he was an atheist and, you know, this is it. This is all there is. And I said, well, so you think you're right? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I think I'm right. So can we discuss why we may or may not be right? And he said, well, you only can believe in what you can see. And so I said, well, aren't there a lot of things that you believe in that you never saw? Yes, yes. And so I said, is it possible for a moment, that there's an unseen world that you've never seen. 
I said, just possible. Is it possible? Even a little bit possible. He said, yes, I think it's possible. I said, well, now you're an agnostic. (laughs) So here the apostle says, there's a whole bunch of things that we don't see. One which we don't see is God working for us. And see, being content has a lot to do with our point of reference. I was talking to the same guy and saying, listen, I know you think that Christians want to put off this life and they're just waiting for the next. I want to let you know, if you know anybody like that, that they are completely living disobedient to the teaching of the Bible. We, of all people, embrace this life with everything We want to live it to the fullest because it is carrying over into the next life. So I'm not just hoping that the next life is better because this life is so awful. I'm embracing everything I can in this life so I can experience this life and it helps me to long for what's next in eternity. Seriously, it changes the way I eat watermelon. It changes the way I smell my coffee in the morning. It changes my friendships. It changes my relationships. Because it's not just here, it is in eternity to come. Only living for today just produces what? Massive discontentment. But embracing today with the joy and the hope of tomorrow, that changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. Now, in American life, have ever you noticed that a lot of us say, well, I'm just following the Lord. But I really think a lot of us are following the calendar. Especially those of us with kids. American life is conditioned on the calendar. So, you know, we're in the groove and then summer comes and you had a pile of 18 books you were gonna read And now it's November. Maybe you should get some of the dust off some of those books and move them back on your shelf till next May. (laughs) Because once you get out of your groove, you do next to what? Nothing, right? Most of us do. And so this is what happens all the time. So I've noticed this in a lot of people. They're doing well in the spring. The summer comes and they stop following the Lord so closely. And then September comes and they wonder why they're so empty. And then they start coming back to church a month or two later. Oh, and then December comes, yuck. (laughs) The Christmas season, no, that's not it. What happens is because we're so busy in the Christmas season, spreading joy and goodwill to people. (laughs) (laughs) What do we start to do? We get out of our routine. Get out of our routine. One of the routines we get out of for most of us is we start skipping church to what? To shop. We're going to church at the mall. Spending money we don't have. Christmas cheer. And then January, we wonder why we're so empty. Why are we so empty? Two reasons, I think, is number one is we stop learning. The Apostle Paul says contentment is learned. It's learned. Well, when we stop, because December, as we celebrate the season of the Savior, when we stop being hooked in and plugged into the Savior, what happens? We stop learning about the Savior. What's the second one? We take our focus off the eternal and we put it solely onto the temporary. I mean, 
everything is focused on Christmas. And then you find yourself, what, about the 20th, like, I can't wait till these stupid holidays are over. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Contentment doesn't come through hyperactivity. Contentment doesn't come through buying everything for everybody. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we give them gift receipts, assuming they're probably not going to like it and return it. Or as I found out, for many of you, a lot of re-gifters in this church. <laughs> Contentment doesn't come through getting the technology device that you just have to have. You know why? Because a month after you get it, they come out with a new one that you want, right? And you're like, you walk into the cell phone store, and you're like, am I eligible for an upgrade? They're like, you just got your phone a month ago. You have a two-year contract. Oh, there must be a mistake. There must be a mistake. That's discontentment. The apostle shows us here that contentment is not found in success. He was a religious leader. He's a Bible writer. He planted churches all across the Roman Empire. Contentment's not found in success. It's not found in a life without problems. I mean, he's in jail, but he's content. So where does contentment come from? He actually already told us, I think. Turn back to chapter 3, verse 10. He says, that I may know him. He's talking about Jesus, that I may know Jesus. Let's just stop there for a second. Are you sure that you know Jesus? Not do you know about him. You could grow up your whole life, for me, grew up my whole life going to church. I was an altar boy at the school where the church was. Some weeks I would go to church six to eight times a week. I don't even go that much now. <laughs> go to church all the time. Know some things about Jesus, but I didn't know him. There are people in this world that, let's say they're famous, right? You might know about them, but you couldn't say, I don't know them. Sometimes I meet people and they'll say to me, yeah, I did the whole religious thing, made all my sacraments, made all this and that, and you know, I know everything there is about Jesus. And my immediate thought is they know nothing of Jesus. Do you know him? How do you get to know him? The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. And so what does that mean? God's here and we're running the other way. And God simply says this, don't become religious. Don't think you have to do all of this stuff. Just turn back to me. Just turn back to me. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Bible also says that Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. The Bible says that on him, the sin of all of us was laid on him. So what do we do when we go astray? We just turn, biblical word is repent, and we come to the cross and we start trusting in Jesus instead of trusting ourselves. You don't clean yourself up and come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus and let him do the work. How sad and what a false gospel it is to hear people say, well, I have to be dot, 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 dot before I can come to Jesus. That's simply not true. That's simply not true. We've used this illustration before. You catch the fish and then you clean the fish. You don't clean the fish while they're still in Lake Apacong, do you? They put you in the loony bin, right? Policeman comes along, what are you doing? I'm trying to clean the fish and they're not cooperating, right? 
Jesus said to the apostles, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. So if we're going out and preaching behavior to people, we're preaching a false gospel. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He didn't say, come to me, all of you who get your act together. And so he says here in chapter three, verse 10, that I may know him. Now he knows him. He already knows Jesus, right? But he knows that there's a lot more to know. Now, if there's a lot more for the great apostle Paul to know about Jesus, could we make a little application for all of ourselves? Could we be a little humble for just a second and say maybe there's a lot for us to know? And maybe we can know him more deeply. That we're quite not at the level of an apostle Bible writer in jail. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We love that. And the fellowship of his sufferings. We, I don't like that. But until we know him in his suffering, by experience suffering and knowing him in suffering, we won't really know him to any depth of level and being conformed to his death. So what is he telling us? That I'm learning contentment through the experience of knowing Jesus Christ. I'm learning contentment by experiencing in my own life some of the things, suffering, for example, that Jesus experienced in his life. So here he is sitting in jail, having to rely on people giving money from the outside to survive. And it's like he's telling us, I'm the richest man on earth. Everybody else thinks that the richest man on earth is the guy on the Forbes list of the richest people in the world. And the apostle Paul says, no, I'm the richest guy on earth. Do you know what he's also telling us here, I believe? That knowing Jesus is actually better than getting out of jail. The Bible says, the psalmist wrote, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And so what is he telling us here? The Apostle Paul is saying here, listen, I would rather be in jail knowing Jesus than being out of jail in the prison of discontentment where so many people live. You see, he has the willingness to accept and embrace the things that life throws at him as the plan of God. This is not, you know, I'm getting tough. This is not some denial of what's going on. This is not some escapism. This is contentment in the midst of the ups and downs of life. But his contentment is in Jesus. Notice I said his contentment in the ups and downs of life, not content with the ups and downs of life. I'll use myself as an example. Many of you know this. I am very, very, very discontented with the spiritual state of Northwest New Jersey. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. People sit in church their whole life and they don't know nothing about Jesus. They don't exhibit his love. They don't exhibit his grace. They're selfish. They don't know anything about the Savior who died for their sins. They're still convinced that they're such a good person that they're going to go to heaven. They don't do anything for anybody else. They sin like there's no tomorrow, but they're convinced. 
Why? Because they have not been taught properly. Why? Because our pulpits are full of people who don't know Jesus. Full of them. I know a lot of them, personally. I preach the gospel to them. They're like, I'm a pastor. I'm like, I know. I know. I am very discontented with that. But I am very content to giving my life to it, as I know a lot of you are. I am very content to see what God is going to do in the midst of a group of people who are willing to say, we're going to follow the Lord. And we're going to invite others to follow him as well. So that some of you are under some very difficult situations. Very, very hard. What he's saying is you can be content in them. You might not be content with them. You might want to do something to change them. But you can be content in them if you know the Lord. But notice this, loved ones. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't fall out of the sky. Twice he says, I have learned. I've had to learn it. I've had to go through some really, really difficult times when other people who are untaught say, well, God doesn't love me. God isn't real. How could this happen? But the learned Christian says, God is working something in me and it is that I can know him more deeply and I can be content. He says, I've learned. Some of your versions say, I've learned the secret Now, before any of you go waste your money on that ridiculous book, if you don't know what it is, good for you. Psalm 25, 14 says this, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. That's who it's with. You say, I want to see this unseen world. You have to fear the Lord. You have to revere him. You have to come to him in faith. He says, and he will show them who? The ones who fear him, who trust him, who believe in him, his covenant. So what is the apostle teaching us here? And probably more importantly, what are we learning here? Because he can teach us, but if we don't learn it, it doesn't help us. I think he's telling us that God gives commitment to his children, but that contentment will be learned and experienced in the ups and downs of life in the presence of the Lord. Without the presence of the Lord, we'll never learn contentment. The apostle is very appreciative for the gift that the people gave him. And I'm sure he'd like to get out of jail. But he's realizing that contentment is not dependent on that. Contentment is not dependent on the ideal conditions. He's teaching us that real contentment can only be learned and experienced by those who give their hearts and minds to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you fall into this category. And a lot of people you'll meet and they'll say, well, I gave my heart to God X amount of years ago, but it didn't seem like anything really happened or I put my trust in Jesus many years ago and it didn't seem like anything happened. Here's the thing you have to learn, friend. It's constantly being learned. It's a constant, continual process. So when we talk about putting our trust in Jesus, it's not just a one-time thing and that's it, I'm done. It is a continual, lifelong trusting in Jesus. 
every day, confessing our sins, thanking him for his grace, putting our trust in him. And as you determine to walk closely with Jesus Christ over many years, you too can experience the learning of contentment. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.